You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Long Yak with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Hi, I'm Saya. It's been a while since we've had a long yak. We spent the summer doing so many different things that we stabled the yak for a bit. His name is Gogolmai, in case you haven't been introduced. What have we been doing? Spoiled yaks, little yaks, live streams and a lot of writing. But summer is over, at least where I am, and you'll be glad to know that we're returning to our regularly scheduled programming. Mostly. We don't actually know the future, so... <laughs> we recorded this episode a while back, so here is talk about the last of the summer drama cycle, and we'll be back next time with our overflowing thoughts on the autumn offerings. This episode was produced with the support of our patrons. As always, we cannot thank you enough. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Okay, let's get in. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. This is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parama. Welcome back to a new long yak. Yeah, after a long break. Not many months. Many weeks. <laughs> Although it feels like many months. It does. This feels like a strange thing that I haven't done in a while. By the way, guys, uh, the podcast is actually doing really well. And I kind of just wanted to mention that. I know we don't really talk about the back end of uh, the podcast much. But uh, we've been getting uh, a lot of new listeners. We uh, charted several times. Uh, we charted in... Hold on, let me remember. We Definitely, we were, I think, 35 in India a couple of weeks back. Uh, this is on the Apple podcast charts. And uh, we were, again, in the top 100 in Malaysia, in Portugal, and uh, Netherlands. Um, no, we weren't in the That's top so 100 exciting. in Netherlands. I think we were 118 in Netherlands. And um, a few other places. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting right now. But it was really exciting to see our podcast kind of go up in listenership in all of the countries. Um, so we, we are really excited that it's well. I know it's a niche podcast and that the way we have created this podcast, it's never going to be like a very, you know, it's not, not going to be like viral at all. It's not a massive podcast. But uh, we love that the listenership is growing um, and exactly in the quality that we so yes thank you guys for listening to us and being with and us it's so exciting journey. to see how um diverse and international our listenership is and like we we hear from people from like unexpected places and faraway places and it's really nice because that's kind of the quality of our friendship too like it's an unexpected long distance love affair <laughs> that we kind of fell into <laughs> So I think the thing that I love most is when people write into us and they tell us about how the things that we've talked about have really made them feel heard in in a way that they haven't perhaps felt in other spaces. And that's something that's really moving for us because partly we do this because we have we feel the same way, right? Absolutely. We do. That's true. And we are basically just addressing the concerns, feelings that we have had about dramas and about pop culture and the stuff. And it's nice that in the process of doing so, we've been able to make the drama watching experience better for other people who kind of find community with us. Because in in a vague way, that is what we wanted with this podcast after all. So yay for, you know, somewhat achieving that. Achieving goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, we're going to, of course, start with Forrester's Secrets. But before uh, Anissa and Sai talk about season two, I quickly want to talk about season one. We should just say here that this uh, drama is officially now known as Stranger, which it wasn't when it first came out. Um, so we all know it as Forest of Secrets, which is its Korean title. 
and it and a much better title. Much better, like uh, Netflix. Why? <laughs> it's like why? Why Netflix? Why did you take something good and turn it into something mundane? Why? Okay. Yeah, and I think you were the one who had, who had said that they took something that sounded so great and and just used a generic name, and that's so true. Stranger is so damn generic. It just it's, doesn't sound like anything. It's so yeah. yeah, it's so bland. Anyway, so we will yeah. always call it Forest of Secrets, but just know that it is yeah. officially known as Stranger. I'm sure everyone knows that by now. But if you're wondering what that drama Forest of Secrets is, it's Stranger. Yes. Right. Yeah. So before Sai and Anissa uh, jump into that, I want to talk about season one. You are like me and you have known that Stranger slash Forest of Secrets is this amazing drama that has been sitting on your list and you have to watch it and three years pass by and you haven't watched it. Even though you knew six months ago that Stranger was coming out this August, you still haven't. Was it August or July? August. 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 August 15th. Yeah. And you still haven't watched it. If you are that person, then you will sympathize with me <laughs> when I say that I started watching Forest of Secrets when Sayarisa started discussing their review uh, blog post for the first two episodes. And I was like, I can't read that unless I watch the first season and then start watching the second season. Yeah, it's full of spoilers for season one. So definitely don't read that Big until spoilers. you finish season yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I did that. I watched the first, I think I'm on episode three or four right now. These episodes are back. Like I, when I finished watching two episodes, I, I kind of felt like I'd watched four by then. Like there was just, it's so dense, but dense in a really good way. Like you feel over full when you're finished watching it, but not tired. So it's not a drama that I want to marathon. I can completely see myself marathoning this, but I don't want to marathon because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be missing stuff. And uh, I'm just, um, yeah, on the one hand, I'm kind of unhappy that I wasn't watching this while it was airing like with everybody else or the rest of the fandom. On the other hand, I'm just uh, really glad that as soon as I finish this, I'll have another season to go to. So that's that's a, that's a perk. Um, but yeah, quick thoughts about season one, if you haven't watched it. So season one basically starts with um, uh, our protagonist, uh, uh, Shimok. Uh, what Shimok? Huang. Huang. Huang Shimok. Sorry. Uh, season one basically starts with our protagonist, Huang Shimok, um, finding a dead body. He goes to a meeting, finds a dead body, and that jump starts an investigation. He's a prosecutor. Um, and then Beduna's character gets uh, involved in the uh, investigation, and she's a detective, but she's relatively new. And uh, here's the thing. I kind of automatically assumed that there was going to be a romantic line because that's how dramas work and maybe we are conditioned. Um, but I'm just, I am so, like, these two are proper teammates. Uh, in that, I've only watched, like, what, four, three, four episodes now. But I can see their dynamic setting up really well and their characters really complement each other. Or at least Beduna's character really complements Huang Shimok's. I'm confusing actor names with character names, aren't I? Her name yes, is Yojin, yeah. Yojin, right. Thank you. Yojin's character really compliments um, Huang Shimok's. And Huang Shimok is supposed to be this guy who can't express emotions. He can't feel it. He's had a surgery um, because of certain issues um, in his like, teenage years. And... Um, Ever since then, he can't really feel uh, emotions much. And so everything he does, every everything that he goes through, it's kind of like his reactions are a bit dulled down. However, it's also really enjoyable to watch his very calm reactions to other people's hysteric 
uh, actions, I suppose. Like there is this character that's played by Lee Jun Hyuk, who I think has been uh, dubbed the Weasel by the fandom. <laughs> yes. And uh, so he he does these things where he's like just shouting at uh, Hong Shimok and uh, Hong Shimok, and the, it, it's a situation where he's like partially humiliating Hong Shimok. He's like threatening, and Hong Shimok's entire reaction is just okay. Are we done now? I have other things to do, and he just walks away. It's it's so satisfying. I can't. Great. Even. He has no and, time for people's nonsense. He doesn't care what they're having a hissy fit over he just like moves on with his he's like very focused on what he needs to do it's great he is and he he is this so because we have whenever we have these protagonists who uh don't really emote much they're supposed to be the cool logical thinkers who don't have like emotions crowding uh, crowding them and clouding spectrum um the thing with Hoshimok is he's not your Sherlock he's not going to like come and like you know like, blaze of glory wow you with his deductions Instead, he's gonna quietly make his own deductions. Gonna think stuff out aloud, and he will like he, he's thinking. He's going through the processes, and maybe he doesn't think it's important to inform you of what the process is because what he's to do needs to happen immediately, and he needs to move on. However, he's not obnoxious about it, and it's a very quiet intelligence that's actual intelligence and not just flash. So I don't know. I'm really I'm really hooked on this character. I really love this take on on this you know cliche. And I really like that with Beeduna, and I've only seen her a little bit till now. I don't think I've seen full scope of her character yet. But um, I really like how, like, if she's brushed aside, like she's asking a question, and uh, Shimo kind of brushes her aside, she will persistently follow him till she gets her answer. She won't get, she won't walk off in a half. She's not going to get angry. Nothing. She's just going to, you know, persist till she gets her answer, which I love because. Like there are situations where maybe a colleague does something that's suspicious or that's weird, and they're watching for a reaction from her, and she just doesn't give them the satisfaction of that reaction. She just does her own thing. So yeah, I really love how this team is forming, and like I said, I'm a short way to this drama, and uh, yeah, I I'm gonna zone out a bit because I don't want to hear spoilers for the next season. So that's my take, and I'm taking my headphone off, guys. So season two. I mean, yes, agree everything that Barma just said. I think the character dynamics are definitely the team dynamics, especially the dynamics between Yojin and Shimok are probably my favorite thing about this show. Um, it's really fun to be reviewing this show again. It's such a meaty and like, like Barma said, dense and there's so many details and it's endlessly rewatchable because there's so many layers. Um, I think they've really brought that quality back in the second season. The director is different, so there is a slightly different feel to the show, but it's not different enough that it's like distracting or like it doesn't feel like the same show. Obviously, the amazing writer Isuyan came back. Um, it's really good to see everyone back. It's good to see. I mean, the characters that are able to return have come back um, in season two, and then we have some really great additions, including. Um, the character, the actor who plays Chebit, I think Jun Hajin is her name. Yeah, she was incredible in Search WWW and she's playing a really different character here, but she still has that like cool boss lady energy, which she does so well. So yeah, it's it's looking really interesting. What do you think, Saya, so far? My first problem is that it's been a long time since I watched the first one. So remembering things like 
anything is is a it's a thing that there's a reason I need to rewatch stuff that has second seasons, which is because I just don't remember anything. And I planned to rewatch this before we um, started. I planned to rewatch the first season before the second, but I didn't end up having time. And it's tiny bit difficult to follow for the things I don't remember. But at the same time, I think it works really well as a standalone as well. So even if you hadn't watched the previous season, you can still watch this straight. <clears throat> You'll just not necessarily get the recurring jokes or recognize all of the returning yeah. characters. It's like that. And yeah, like, I mean, some of those were... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. As always. Some of those recurring jokes are still um, evergreen and you don't necessarily have to know that they were in the previous season to be amused by the fact that like Shemok still doesn't get to eat anything. <laughs> like, it's still so funny. It still works. Obviously, there are dynamics that were set up in the previous season that I think are going to be really important this season. Like, the main antagonist definitely has something big to do with what happened last season. But I also feel like because they are still talking about what happened last season, like you will get those details, even if you didn't watch season one. So, um, and, and they've maintained that quality of like, you never really know what's happening. Like there's always like three layers deep of things happening that you find out later on. You, you might like see a scene from a different perspective and see more of what's actually going on. Um, we did, we're do, in the weekly blog posts that we're doing on this show, um, <laughs> our guest um, and friend of the podcast, Yuna, said that she's really glad that they brought back the visualizations that Shemok does, which I'd forgotten about. Because, you know, it's been three years, but like when he looks at a scene and he kind of imagines in his mind how it must have played out, like it was nice to have those back. Um, but yeah, it looks really interesting. I'm, I'm very interested in where they're going to go with this yeah, if, police if... versus prosecutors. Uh, set up. I find it really interesting that the way it feels like the story's gone a little bit bigger than it was before. Like in the first season, it it seemed much more focused on the single case. And it was a big case, but it didn't sort of zoom out further to look at the systemic issues. And which is where I feel like season two is really sort of digging deep into that idea of like the problem with the system. Yeah. And it was um, very personal in many ways, that case for uh Shimok, that case was very personal in a way that I'm wondering from the setup whether it's going to be a bit personal for Yojin this time um, because of the way that her police sort of power structure is set up and it's um last season was a lot of it was about them learning to trust each other and sort of sizing each other up and deciding that each they can basically trust the other person with their life and with all their secrets um this season is starting out with them already on that page with each other so it'll be interesting to see how what kind of stress will be put on their dynamic by being on this new sort of in this new team um yeah like i feel so yeah i feel like when we left off episode two it was the beginning of like this question that yodin was beginning to have about whether they can still trust each other and i hate that question because i want the answer to always be yes but also i can like there's a a certain like the frisson that you get thinking about having to having these beloved characters face that process of doubting each or of whether they will doubt each other or whether she will doubt him i don't think that i didn't get the sense of like them potentially doubting each other i just feel like when she's her face fell it was kind of like oh we're not going to be on the same side like we have to work together again and we're not going to be on the same side like just that disappointment on her face like i don't think Maybe doubt. I think they're beyond the point of doubting each other, but 
it's still not fun to be on the opposite sides from somebody who you like yeah, maybe really want to be on the same side with. Maybe doubt is not the right word, but I th- like that feeling that she's not telling him everything where... Or that she won't be able yeah, to tell him everything. Which is yeah, one of the things that though. was so good about their partnership is that that feeling, that rock solid feeling, the one mm-hmm. that makes you feel so warm inside when you watch them is knowing that they have this total confidence in each other. But then like seeing the beginning of her, yeah, doubt's not the right word, but holding no, back I get what you're a little saying. bit. You're like, don't yeah. Hold back. yeah, like there's, there's <laughs> nothing more heartwarming. Like I have not been as excited like I've been more excited for phone like late night phone calls between them than I have with like huge romantic declarations from like actual romantic couples which like they're not even a romantic couple but like just seeing him like finish his work at the end of the night and, and like the first person that he wants to call is her or like as soon as they find something out they call each other I'm just like oh my heart yeah and like <laughs> so. you get the sense and I'm not sure if um I imagined it but when she when she first called him or did he first call her i can't remember but like that they hadn't talked for a really long time but even though all of that time had passed they were still able to pick up exactly where they left off like like no time had passed between it's, them it's that kind of relationship I love that. yeah it was really yeah. great and the other thing that i find really um the, the 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 thing that makes me sort of like spark up when i watch it is like um chebit um johnny jen's character you're just trying to get a read on her and you're like i, I like you and i'm i don't trust you and that's i'm really interested to see where they're going to take her character in this yeah, she certainly has the the talent and the depth and the interesting kind of facial expressions to handle a character of this caliber. Like, we know she's going to be an amazing character because this writer is amazing. And like the bond that she may or may not have between uh, uh, with uh, her and uh, Bejana. And like the na- like we we can sense that there's a bond, but we don't know what the nature of that is. Whether that's a, a like a, a one of trust or one of um, you know Yojin looking up to her or like what that is, we don't yet know. But there is something, and which is why I was saying that I was getting those vibes, you know, of how this is going to be a kind of a personal case for her, the mm. way that it was with Lee Changjun mm. for Shimok, because they had that dynamic of. In the beginning, you didn't really know what their dynamic was. And then as time passed on, you finally mm. kind of found out what their yeah, history was. Yeah, like is was. she the of this drama? That's a I am that's wondering a question. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's definitely a question. Yes. But, oh, and the, my last thing that I wanted to say mm-hmm. is just how excited I was to see Tongjae back. Um, and to oh, see yeah. them like re- <laughs> reuniting. I was like, yes, this combination. He, he turned up on the screen and I just like was I was I lit up. I was like, "Oh, he's here!" Yes, I literally turned to my mom. Like, yes, he's back. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> I missed you. Oh, totally, yeah. man. At the same time, I'm slightly missing that he's not um, Ji Hyungju, as in his uh, three six five uh, repeat the year character, because that was a great character. But also, this this character is better in in its complexity and in his sort of lovable entertainment value yeah (laughs) he's he's like this (laughs) dastardly yet lovable terrible person that you still feel things for it's great yeah like i liked having him as the protagonist in 365 but it was like all that essence was kind of spread over the time that a main character gets and Mm -hmm. here we have all the essence concentrated into whatever minutes he gets in an episode (laughs) and it's like it's like distilled goodness yeah. so it's much 
more impactful than minutes that he does have on screen. Yeah. And we'll be following the show um, every week on our blog. So check in if you want to see a real-time reactions i guess yeah and we're bringing like exciting guests and friends to come chat with us about it so that's a lot of fun and there's lots of deep stuff coming out in these should we go on to good detective now though because mm-hmm. they're going from one dense thriller to another this one this one is really surprising to me so good detective um also known as model detective but not really actually <laughs> i think it's just known as good detective um that started airing around a month or so ago and that was the one that we uh looked forward to in our last What's Up in Dramaland as well. Uh, well, one of the last ones. The last four episodes have been What's Up in Dramaland. Anyway, um, that's the one with um, Son Hyunju and Jang Seungjo playing detectives, one of them being slightly um, do- morally dodgy dude who doesn't give put much stock in deduction and logic. That That's what the... Um, preview material said um but actually it, it turns out to synopsis yeah yeah that's what it's yeah. called <laughs> that's what the promo stuff said um it turns out that it's not as dumb as that so uh sanyunju plays this detective who is um he's quite brash and quite like physical and he doesn't exactly distrust logic i don't know why that's part of his character thing um but he's just this very hands-on, old-school kind of detective. And Jang Seung-jo is, uh gets transferred to his unit and they end up being um, partners. And, and like, oh, what am I trying to say? So they uh, come across this... No, they don't. Okay, <laughs> hold on. So there, uh, a case comes up that um, Son Hyun-ju was involved in five years ago that uh, the person who is convicted for it is on death row for and that person is about to be executed so the main premise of the case is that um five years later he gets some information which leads him to believe that the um the original person who was convicted there's a word for those people (laughs) i can't remember what this um that that person was framed for the crime and he's not the real um perpetrator so that's that's where that's where the story sort of leaps off. Um, P, how far have you watched? I think I've watched uh, three episodes now. I had watched the first two episodes when I uh, made that video trying to convince my cousin to watch it with me. And um, yeah, since then I've watched one more episode. So. Because I had to go back and watch the first two episodes with my cousin. <laughs> the pitfalls of convincing your family to watch something <laughs> with you. So what are your thoughts? So, so far it's kind of i'm still um i'm not in i don't have a foothold on exactly what is happening i can kind of see where they are going but i am still a bit confused but that's not a bad thing because usually with these thrillers i know exactly where the story is headed and that is not exciting whatsoever i'm not sure if the uh, supposed bad guy is actually bad i'm not sure what his end goal is i'm not sure if he's trying to help someone (laughs) or hinder it's a it's a it's a bit confusing but i really like our lead so far oh i don't know what elijah is doing in this story aside from investigating it from sort of like the outside because she's not she's a reporter so she's kind of going and talking to the victims of the person who had been convicted five years back so she's meant her story runs a little bit um sort of in tangent to the um the the police 
people's story. Why can I not talk? I don't know. Um, and she has this whole uh, plot of like subplot of her own, which is um, her issues in when it comes to breaking the story and the people who are involved in the various types of corruption and like how to bring that truth into the open. So there are points where they come in, where, where they come together, the police and um, the re- reporter, and then there are points where they sort of diverge and do their own thing and then they come together again. So it's an overlapping, interlocking kind of story without them necessarily doing the same thing, which actually I find a really effective um, storytelling um, um, what do you call it? Technique. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, I haven't seen much of her character yet. And I, I really like her because she was so, so evil <laughs> in uh, The Last <laughs> Man, I, it was by the end of that show, I was hating her so much. She had this big me, breathy me. whisper and she just kept, like, she would be killed and then come back. She did that at least five times. And you're like, I have had enough of you. Be gone. <laughs> so actually, I really like that seeing her here, she is not like, yeah. I don't think of that character at all. She's totally like a completely different character. Different mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's That's a really cool. good character. And she has this really fun. Ca- I don't know if you you sh- might have seen the beginnings of their chemistry, like between her and Jiang Sung So yeah, I've seen them. So yeah. like, even from their first meeting, it's such an interesting meeting. And they have this dynamic, which is uh, a little bit it's not quite playful but it's a little bit um there's something playful about it while being yeah. totally serious and i kind of i mean i don't see this as being a, a ending in a romance but i ship them kind of in a i like i like their interactions they're a little bit spiky a little bit sort of um deadpan and it's just fun yeah <laughs> i i know and you know what it's, it's really nice that we have these things now in dramas where we can ship um characters together and doesn't have to be a romantic end goal it's just like they are really good when they are together like some people in real life when you're talking to them when you're meeting them they just make you feel like a brighter smarter version of yourself (laughs) and you just you know you you have excellent chemistry with them and hey why can't we ship those people Mm -hmm. together i mean it's just yeah. And I think this yeah. is the only relationship, uh, the only moment that brings a bit of lightness to the drama, which is their, like, even in a serious moment, they'll have these, like, funny little interactions that just leave you sort of giggling and chortling for, like, half an hour because it's, like, <laughs> it's this one tiny thing, but it's completely delightful. So, like... That's kind of yeah. how I feel about... Go on. Sorry. That's kind of how I feel about Yojin and Shimok in, in uh, Strangers yes. slash Forest of Secrets. Yes. Because yeah. it's such a heavy, dense, serious drama. And then, like, they just have this, like, tiny little, like, two-sentence interaction. And you're just like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It's going to last me until next week. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Despite all, like, the murder and the mm. mystery and the corruption. and this, you know. I actually would say for people who, who are enjoying uh, um, Forest of Secrets, if you haven't already tried Good Detective, do. It's not as dense in the way that... Um, Forest of Secrets is but it has that sort of a pleasing complexity to it it has a a pleasing ambiguity to it it's just subversive enough to keep you guessing so you're not like um, like Boromo was saying that she wasn't quite sure about this person or that person you're not meant to be quite sure you are meant to be constantly questioning um, whether which side people are on and what they're really meaning by the things that they do and it's it's a kind of like when you're asking the question it doesn't stress you out it, it keeps you watching without making you get sort of exhausted and upset um, 
But at the same time, there is like one reservation I have about this show, which is the probably the same reservation I have with any any police shows or legal shows, <coughs> um, which is that you know when police or um, like prosecution and stuff when they use force. Um, that kind of when they use the, when they abuse their authority, I have such a big problem with that. Um, so you have, for example, uh, what's his name, uh, Son Yunju. I think even at a point, uh, Jiang Sunjo, they they sort of carry out their own ideas or versions of justice, or they like twist um, the their knowledge of how the process works to benefit them, which is always more acceptable when it's not someone with the power of the law behind them. I mean, we all love a little of, uh, love a, we all love a bit of um, vigilantism and but the police doing that is not vigilantism. It's it's exactly it, it's much more disturbing and worse. But the good thing nevertheless is that the drama doesn't ask you to think that they're good. For a show called Model Detective, the point seems to be that they are not a good detective. The point seems to be that they are not good in that way. Right. Which is different from a show that's showing you this type of behavior from its quote unquote heroes and then um, basically hand waving any of the problematic aspects of that or how that might be problematic because, oh, well, that's the hero. Everything they do is mm. good, you know? Yeah. This is the only way they could get around the system. So. And the the thing that <laughs> I like the most in this show is, and, and because Burma hasn't got far enough, so I just want to make sure that this gets out there. Um, you, you remember how much I loved Watcher last year, right? So this actually reminds me quite a bit of, of Watcher in, in many ways. And... Um, that the relationship between Son Yunju and Jiang Sungju reminds me a lot of the relationship between um, Han Suk Kyu and um, what's his name? You know, robot guy. Um, cat boy. <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> Kang. No. So Kang Jun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I knew there was a Kang in there somewhere. You were like cat boy. And I was like robot name. boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so like the the quality of that relationship where there's a kind of, um, you know, that one of them is this uh, learned senior who has a certain sort of paternal side to him. Except in this one, it sort of almost feels like Jang Sung the younger man, is the right? caretaker, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, it's such He's a great dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> You're making me want to watch this just for him because I love him you know, so much, and I can just imagine him. The first two episodes, I have mm. to say, are not the best two, um, but they they give you enough to keep you watching. Uh, and actually, you know that's not true because I remember when I watched the first episode, I was really like into. I was like, this is good. Um, and then I went and looked it up again, and I was like, oh, hold on, this is written by the same person who wrote Mask Pro- Prosecutor, which is an absolute travesty of a drama that shouldn't exist. And then I. Um, so then I went into the second episode kind of thinking, having having that that knowledge sort of tainting my experience of the second episode, like, you know, where you think, like, am I mistaking conv- like convolution for complexity? Uh, am I mistaking th- this thing that like subversion or whatever it is for something that it isn't like, you know, pretension or something like that? Actually, no, it's still I'm up to episode eight and it has been getting better by the episode. And I'm so like, it's the drama that I've the only drama that I've been watching week to week until two weeks ago. <laughs> and it's pretty much the only thing I've watched all month. So it's it's a I'm, I'm really into this. It's a good show. And it asks all of these questions that 
um, it's, you know, those sort of difficult questions about the law and how far you're allowed to go and like questions about the system. And I think those are really relevant questions right now in a lot of the drugs that we're seeing, like Forest of Secrets. It's a good show, basically. I hope it stays good for its second half. But its ratings have been getting um, higher every week as well. So I'm guessing that it's it's doing it right, I hope. I think it's doing pretty well. Like, and there's more of a buzz about the drama. So I, that generally, you know, portends that it's doing well. One hopes so. But, you know, lesser dramas have gone worse with that. Didn't make sense. True. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, um, I think I have to run away right now. And I'm a bit sad that I'm going to miss this very exciting flower of evil discussion. Where can I just tell everyone what your point here says? <laughs> So Parma has one point under this, under Flower of Evil. Ijinki, full stop, hot. <laughs> I'm sorry to miss this discussion. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Saya. Bye, yeah. guys. Bye. Bye. So now we're going to uh, sort of shift over to stuff that only Parma and I have been watching. Yeah. So might as well start with uh, the hot hotness of Ijinki. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't actually have a, a lot of thoughts about this drama as yet. I mean, I kind of do because it has Ijunki in it and Chewan. But um, I haven't really gotten too deep into it. Um, I have watched the first three and a half episodes right now because I was trying to simultaneously watch The Good Detective and this one. But um, so far, the impressions are really good because... The, the reason that I was attracted towards the premise of this drama wasn't so much that, ooh, psychopath Ijunki, which is like part of the thing because Ijunki can do such a great sociopath, definitely. We have seen that already in uh, Scarlet Heart. Uh, Rio, Lovers. I don't know. What is the name of that drama? Uh, Scarlet Heart Rio. Moon Lovers. Scarlet Heart Rio, uh, I think. Right, right. That. A ter- I, I don't know. Nobody needs to memorize that. It's, it's bad. <laughs> Scarlet Heart was definitely like a major part of that title. So yeah, we already know that Ijunki can do a sociopath reality. Um, but it's uh, or at least you know the characters with edge like that. And then if you watch two weeks, you know what he's like as a uh, okay. That, uh, I, I mean, let's be real. He can do anything. <laughs> he can do anything. He can do utterly adorable. Just watch Arang and the Magistrate. Please watch Arang and the Magistrate, even just because you know it has Shin Minai in it. And Ijunki, why, 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 are you, why haven't you watched it yet? Go watch. Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like I'm being uh, I feel like I'm being scolded right now. How could you not have watched it? When Sai and I have been like I'm just not really into ghosts. I'm sorry. It's not a ghost story, it's a romantic story and it has a happy ending of sorts. Okay. It's I, I will really watch cute. it. It's, okay, it's I will watch it at some super, point. Super cute. Yeah. Um, I, I can guarantee that Sadness Quotient is like maybe 3% in the entire drama. It's mostly just, oh my god, so cute. Um, but anyway, coming back to this particular drama, Flower of Evil, the thing that attracted me to the premise was, uh, of course, EGT, but also that whole, that the complexity of a potential psychopath being married to a cop who thinks that he's in love with her. And they actually seem to have a really happy 
marriage but the drama is heavily implying that he's just pretending his side of affections and everything and then mm. he apparently has a dark past he's not who he says he is um, there could be dead bodies in his past we don't know and now there okay, are Okay well I've only watched you know, 17 minutes but yeah these are They all, got into that stuff pretty quickly though Exactly so it's not it's not really uh, spoilers all of the we don't know is the point but what I love is not all of that dead body mystery that's what same old <laughs> same old dead body mystery <laughs> same old happens in every drama these days but uh, far more importantly i really love how bunchewan and uh, ejun ki actually have like really good chemistry and i don't know what had how like i i really liked ejun ki in uh, dollis lawyer of course i did i mean of course i did but ejun ki had looked so perilously skinny in that drama i was like i i those i i felt bad mm. but he's kind of gotten back his health i mean i don't even know if i should be talking about it but he actually looks healthy here and in like and that just makes him hotter of course and his face is softer but mostly because his expressions in most of the uh, first few episodes are really soft like with affection for his daughter with affection for his wife so when you see those expressions and his sweet actions and then you're thinking is he actually putting an act on the entire time that is delicious i love that so that's those are my initial thoughts and i know i'm not going to into it there is not really a lot that you can go into without like serious spoiling the drama but uh, yeah so if those things attract you uh, towards a story then yeah definitely watch it it's uh, really good yeah that's like that tension i mean like i said i only watched a third of episode 1 but i definitely got that tension and that tension is what is keeping me like interested and i'm going to go back and watch it so You mentioned Lawless Lawyer and I mean that's a good segue to the next drama that we're going to talk about because the heroine of that is also the heroine of uh It's Okay Not to Be Okay which yes! stars Soya Ji um oh my god she is so good in that Yeah and, and I didn't recognize her with her long hair it was only after she cut off her hair that she she looked like you know the Lawless Lawyer character again and I was like what is this I I knew I had seen her somewhere but I couldn't place her all this time and I was too deep. <laughs> and suddenly I was like I have seen her in another drama I watched that whole drama how did I not recognize her? But doesn't she just have such a distinctive voice or is that only the way she speaks in this drama? So that that oh so that is something that I actually went back to find they are definitely focusing on how deep her voice is. This is actually her real voice and they are really re- there, there was a, a drama a fan who did this short video clip if i can find it i'll link it in the description where she just picked up a lot of the sounds that soyeji uh, makes in the drama like the places where she's like ooh wow like but in her really deep voice where it makes you get, get like butterflies in your stomach that was she a pretty good impression of- prama thank you i'm <laughs> impressed <laughs> i only know how to do the deer <laughs> She just compiled all of those together and uh, kind of created this long clip of just Soyeji's, uh, you know, different just just those almost onomatopoeic sounds, and it's it 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 does stuff to you when you hear her uh, 
that particular uh, role of clip. So no, my point is, I went back to, I was just watching a trailer of uh, Loris Royer to see how her voice sounded. Her voice sounded a lot sharper and higher there, but I definitely think that because it's a, it's treated. Whereas here, they, they, you can do sound design while keeping the original voice intact, but still sort of like pushing certain frequencies of that voice. So I think mm. in it's okay. They're definitely deliberately pushing the lower frequencies of her voice, whereas in the other drama they was sort of deliberately making her voice sound more common as in like it, it sounded like a regular actress's voice less distinctive less distinctive they definitely leaned into the natural uh, deepness of her voice if that makes sense uh, well it was very effective yeah. have you seen the whole thing no you said you hadn't you hadn't finished it, right? I hadn't. I've. I think I'm stuck somewhere around like the fifth or sixth episode right now. Which I know, shame on me, because I'm really enjoying it. But uh, yeah, sometimes your drama viewing just gets interrupted anyway. No, I totally understand. I think. I really enjoyed, I finished it. Um, I think I really enjoyed this one because I was watching it with my mom and sister and we just kind of, it's a fun drama to watch with other people. I'm not sure if it's because, I think there's like a lot to discuss and there's like a lot of emotions and um, we had a lot of reactions to things that we would like share with each other. Um, and like, there's a lot of times where we would speculate about like what's going to happen next and we usually didn't know, um, except my sister guessed pretty early on like one of the big kind of reveals in the drama which like kudos to her yeah your, saying your, that. your sister generally tends to have like a pretty clear vision about drama stories yeah she does so um but it was really really good i think it was a beautiful like from a production standpoint it was gorgeously made very high quality like tons of money put into it and like worth every penny mm-hmm. the writing is just beautiful like I think other than there was I mean close to the end there were some things which I was like that doesn't really make sense but I didn't really care like normally that makes me mad but I was like I loved the story so much that I didn't really care like the emotional satisfaction that I got from the drama was so um and it was so satisfying that I didn't mind that it got like a little bit slow and a little bit nonsensical um the ending was really good. It was very kind of touching and heartwarming. Um, the portrayals of m- mental illness were so well done. Like, I was kind of nervous going in because, like, you just never know, um, especially with the character of um, Sang Tae, who's Kim soo older brother. He's played by um, Oh Jung-se. Yeah. But... I think, I mean, obviously I don't have, I mean, I don't have the medical background and I also don't have like the personal experience to know if that was like a perfectly well done portrayal of autism. Um, to be fair, but, I don't think you, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, or of somebody on the spectrum. And I, I know that everybody has like an individual experience of how that, how that sort of plays out. But I felt that it was done very respectfully and humanely and in a very complex and interesting way and um i think he was probably my favorite character to be honest by the end like even more than the hero and heroine which i also loved a lot like soyeji as uh moon young was so prickly and aggressive and adorable and funny and like her fashion was to die. Like every week we would just be like, oh my God, her outfits. Like, can I please have her outfits? And then my mom and I were like, we can't even fit into those outfits. But <laughs> we were like, they're so beautiful. Um, and I, I think the like sort of case of the week or the story of the week did a, was really well sort of um, 
woven in with the emotional arcs of the main characters and the journey that they took with each other, where like in the beginning, they have this really kind of unhealthy dynamic because of each of them sort of dealing with their own traumas and um, sort of own, I guess, their own particular mental illness challenges. And then as the drama goes on, like they don't necessarily, I wouldn't say that they heal each other, but they kind of take a journey together that allows them to reach some type of healing collectively and it's more like it's a community of people that forms and being in that community is what really helps it's not like oh I fell in love with this person and they cured me kind of thing it's like oh we can be a community and we can support each other and it's not really about the cure it's about learning about each other and being there for each other and like building a life together so I really loved that aspect I really loved how they dealt with the idea of like found family versus the family that you're born into um, without being overly simplistic about any of that. I'm not going to spoil anything about the show, but um, I just really, really, Oh, and the illustrations and the books and the way this were narrated. Yeah. So good. Like even when I saw the intro in the first episode, I was like, Oh my God, I'm sold like that from, from moment one of the intro. But yeah, the way they did all of those, like each book had its own illustration style and it was animated so beautifully. And then it's it was just so well done. Um, and the last thing that I want to add is that it does kind of have a, a me- like it is kind of in some ways a message drama. Like the title is literally, it's okay to not be okay. Or like, I'm a psycho, but it's okay in Korean. Mm-hmm. So clearly like it's not being subtle about the fact that it's trying to destigmatize mental illness, mm. but I don't really care. Like, I don't think that it, everything has to be subtle to be good. Like this was not a subtle drama. It was very over the top, but in a really good way, you know, like the colors were really bright and the emotions were heightened. And um, there was a lot of times a feeling of like, you weren't really sure if it was fantasy or the supernatural or reality. And then you had all these moments where people's kind of, um, Worm, I don't know if you've got to the point where you see Kwak Dong-yeon's cameo in the show. I don't think I have, no. So he he plays, I mean, I don't think this is a huge spoiler. He plays one of the patients. Um, okay. And I won't go into how exactly no, no, I did. what happens that's, with him. That's that's our... Uh, okay. You know um, the son of the co- of the assemblyman who kind of... Yes, yeah, yeah. He comes I've every year. That, and I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of a drama where we've seen him. We've seen him in... Uh, Gosh, why can't I think of it? I've seen him in at least three uh, different dramas. Um, Gangnam Beauty is one. He played the second lead there. And uh, he was the... Oh, my God. Why is this so hard? Uh, I can look it up. Hold on. No, the the guy Sia really likes, the actor. You, um... You sing ho? Yeah, what was oh, yeah, the yeah. revenge? He was in, uh, he was in um, My Strange Hero Boksu. as the second lead. Right, yeah. right. right. So, my God, I had to struggle so much. Booksu's ex-friend and his uh, rival. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, no, he he was probably my favorite cameo. But his the way that his sort of um, his mental state and like what he's experiencing and feeling is expressed is really really done in a beautiful way um i remember that i it was really nicely done it was just they did this really interesting thing where they basically showed his situation from outside perspective where he just looks ridiculous and then they shifted the perspective showed the same situation from inside his brain and how he's seeing the world and why he's acting and reacting in that moment the way he is and that was just that was really nicely done. I agree. It was it was beautifully done. Yeah. And but, I and 
Sorry, go ahead. No, no, finish, finish it. And they did a really good job in like making the patients, uh, you know, complete and three-dimensional characters and not making them simply vehicles for the development of the hero and heroine, while at the same time always having something in their story that kind of related to one of the issues or the traumas that they that either the hero or the heroine or both were dealing with in really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. It's just like excellently written, like all the way to the climax. The climax was, I had a couple issues with it, but in general, just beautifully written. And the dialogue, oh my God, the dialogue was so good. It was. And if you think about it, the writer is pretty much a rookie. She has like two, uh, dra- like one drama and one special under her belt. So, um, wow. it's writer Joe Young. Um, she's done the special After the Rain, which I haven't watched, and Jugglers in 2017. Also, I haven't watched. I also haven't very... watched that, but I didn't hear good things about Jugglers. So. It doesn't have good, like, that good ratings. I think uh, on MDL, it's something like 7.8, which is, drama viewers tend to be very generous. So, with 7.8, that's not, like, that's not good. Mm. So, yeah, but so maybe she just didn't have because sometimes you know it takes you a few tries to get to the right story that you know how to tell and you maybe weren't tapping into maybe you were trying to emulate somebody else's style and it wasn't working out there are plenty of reasons why writers don't hit their stride sometimes until suddenly they do yeah and i definitely also feel like the writer's style and the director's style were like a match made in heaven oh at least for this particular drama like you know the writing is very um it's very emotional and it's very deep and it's very layered. And the director was also able to kind of bring out the best with, with his style. Absolutely, of, you know. because the writer used fairy tales so well in like, it, not just in the symbolism she was using, but just the way she was layering her stories. I, you could probably peel out tropes from fairy tales from every other uh, episode. And the director did such an amazing job of just bringing that to life on screen from everything, yes. like from the costume to the setting to the lighting to the way certain just move, like, you know, scenes were just shot. The feeling. Just, uh, yeah. Everything. The mood. It was gorgeously done. Yeah. The other thing that I really appreciated because I love the. Uh, focus the, the treatment of the patients who of course were the focus of the drama but what I loved and what rarely gets shown in dramas is how caretakers can both care not just hospital caretakers but family caretakers when somebody's ill in your family you can both love your your, your the patient immensely and still feel burdened by mm-hmm. their illness and it's not a burden that you want to necessarily shed. It's that sometimes it gets heavy. And sometimes you have thoughts that you feel horrible about. But it's human to feel that because you've been carrying the burden for so long. And the thing is that the nod that that, not just the nod, they actually ex- seem to be exploring it. I haven't, of course, watched the entire thing, but they seem to be exploring it really well with Kim Soo-hyun's character, Moon uh, uh, Gang-tae, uh, in the drama. He, at least from what I have seen of the story, he loves his older brother so much, but he's he has issues with how his mother had practically brought him up to take care of his older brother. He he wants to protect his older brother, but he also feels suffocated because he's never actually lived a free life. He hates himself for having those thoughts. And when um, Go Mung Young, uh, which is Soyeji's character, basically tells him that this is what you're feeling or that that I 
I feel burdened by my father. Of course, she has no good feelings about her parents. Um, Mung Gangte kind of lashes out at her because she's bringing up thoughts that he's had subconsciously and hated himself for having because he loves his brother. It's a very complex emotion, and I love that they tried to you know go. Yeah, and it. they definitely they definitely explore that in depth later on, and I think they do a really beautiful job with it because they are kind of in this unhealthy codependent relationship in the beginning, him and his brother, yeah. and. And his brother in, is in aware of ways. it. It's it the usually the the way the these stories are shown is that the the sick person isn't really aware of the resentment because you know especially if it's a mentally ill person they would it, the, he, the, the they would show the story as if they cannot be aware of what the caretaker is suffering. But that's not the case with Mun Sangte at all. He's aware of what his brother is feeling, even though he might not know the exact emotion. He's trying to understand. He under- And he's a really intelligent guy. Um, so it's, yeah. Yeah, no, they, the way that they, uh, they did a, such a good job with Sangte's character, really. Like, there's so many moments in which, and this kind of goes back to what I feel about the, the drama as a whole, that it's not about you know, like here we have these people who are mentally ill and uh, and over here we have other people like so quote unquote normal people. And this is kind of going back also to what we talked about in our in our representation special about ableism. Everyone is together in that same community. And like by the end of the drama, me and my family were kind of joking about how like um, it, the even like the whole hospital is just they're all just mental patients, which like yeah. I don't mean that in an offensive way, no, but like but that's it's kind of, kind of expressing. Drama, right? Yeah, it's kind of expressing how everyone has things that they're dealing with. It's not, there's not like this divide between like so-called like sane people and insane people. Like everyone has. Everybody is not okay in some way. Exactly. We're all not okay and it's okay. And we're just, you know, struggling together. And it's all about, you know, um, understanding that everyone doesn't, everyone's brain is not the same shape and that we don't all like move through the world in the same way. And it's more about um, not fixing people so that they fit into our mold, but learning how to um, recognize them and live with them and sort of um, be in a family with them or in a community with them in a way that kind of brings the best out of everybody. True. Why did you know Soyeji was in Hwarang? I don't even remember her in Hwarang. Oh, I didn't watch Hwarang. Huh. I've seen her in very little. I think this is the first thing I've seen her in since she did like her first bit role as a really new actress. So I kind of discovered her in this and I'm really, I'm really excited to like go back and watch like Lola's Lawyer and stuff because she's so good. I, I think you would like Lola's Lawyer. It's just, it's really, it's kind of fantastical and campy as hell. Um, not super serious. It's kind of in the vein of um, uh, Haina. But... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm down with that. But the thing is, of course, you know, the thing that made Haina super, super special was the chemistry between the two. I wouldn't say that Ejun Ki and Soyeji's uh, chemistry is at that level i mean there is definitely chemistry these are both like characters with strong personalities and like super cuteness but i don't think the characters were written to have that level of heat together so not quite the same but the storytelling is much in the same vein so and and okay, also the yeah. visual elements yeah yeah that sounds fun i also know that she was in like save me uh but that, i'm not watching that <laughs> it's yeah, too dark for me and- Apparently, she also <laughs> guested in another Miss O, which I have watched over and over again. How did I miss her? But I did. So, but that's the thing. Oh, so you, I, I'm, I'm watching, uh, you know, clips of uh, It's Okay on YouTube, and the comment section is full of, I am in love with uh, Chiyoji, and 
she is like so amazing and all of that but she has been in the drama industry for a few years now it's amazing how they just like suddenly burst out at you know the larger drama viewing world yeah because of it's one like character. sometimes Yeah, sometimes an actor and a character just meet in a like a faded destiny kind of way and you're yeah. just like you hear the music like destiny and you're like, "Oh, this is it. This is the role <laughs> that this person was born to play." And it just kind of clicks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I also really I also say I mean Moon Sang-tae was a much more understated character, but I think Kim Soo-hyun also did a really good job in that role. Um and they had great chemistry. Yeah. Well, uh, Moon Gang-tae Oh, you're right. Sorry, Moon Kang Tae. <laughs> oh, one other thing that I wanted to note, uh, moved on from, which is that um, the Namjuri character, the second, um, mm-hmm. again, like I wasn't like super fond of her in the first few episodes, just because you know she was set up as someone who was directly in conflict with the female lead, not just because of uh, Moon Kang Tae's character, but because she didn't seem to like uh, Seoyeji's character because of some childhood memories. and the way it's just that whole setup was kind of um i kind of started i have started already liking um namjuri because she shows self awareness in her own prejudices which i which i enjoyed do if that's not true um don't spoil me <laughs> All I'll say is that I li- I did kind of disliked her in the beginning of the drama and I liked her more as the show progressed and oh, I good, I did like good. what they did with her character. Yeah. Good, and good, and that, that's um that's where I'm going as well. Yeah, <laughs> so. and I feel like part of the initial negative impression that I had of her was just how like she is a very quiet character and in the beginning she almost has like low energy to the point of almost being like energy sucking. <laughs> yeah. So I think and I don't know if it's like the character's screen pre- the actor's screen presence or just the way the character was written to be so understated and kind of quiet, but she gets better at, with time and by the end I actually really really like her. I think also her character suffers because she was to be almost the direct opposite of Suji's character in, you know, uh, how yeah. they present themselves, how they deal with the world, even their vocal range, everything. Mm-hmm. Um also the way Suji was first introduced to us was as a witch, whereas uh Namjuri had a very K-drama heroine intro. I don't know if you remember it, but the first um seen that i saw her and i think she was in an elevator but her introduction was of one of those candy heroine characters who are like you know they're doing seven part time jobs to you know and also studying <laughs> for i don't know university or something it's uh even just her look is a very candy type of look exactly she's actually a very key drama heroine uh you know in a rom-com drama type character so i and i think that was deliberate there was something very deliberate in the way she was introduced because we know how key drama tends to introduce side characters to us They, we are used to those cues by now and her introduction was very much that of a good girl a good girl hero so i i that kind of got my back up because obviously i'm already in suji's corner yeah and i mean there's a lot of ways in which this um drama really upends a lot of the sort of typical um base level tropey expectations that we have and even yeah. just in the way that suji's character can continuously just upends you know the received wisdom of what uh fairy tales are telling us she'll be yeah. like the message of this fairy tale is and then she comes out with something completely different and everybody's <laughs> like wait what <laughs> that wasn't the message um and that's really great there is one aspect in which 
It is very typical K-drama, which I was just like, oh, really? Are we going here? But that's a spoiler, so I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about that. But I, I didn't mind how they ended up dealing with that later. Um, okay. The last thing that I want to say is I just want to shout out um, Pak Jinju, um, who plays the sort of assistant at the publishing uh, company. That's an actress who needs her own means. Yeah. She I'm I'm I've been like begging the universe to give her a lead role in a rom-com for like at least five years. Um She's just so cute and funny. And I also want to uh, shout out Kang Ki-dung as, um, as Chesu, who is mm. uh, Kang Tae's like best friend and his uh, punching bag and the one who's been like literally sacrificing his life and following these two around <laughs> for like 10 or 15 years. Uh, <laughs> but tada. I just, yeah. I just like, I just wanted them to like, the two of them to just run away and be happy together and like forget about everybody else's problems. <laughs> I wanted them to just, like, have their own rom-com on the side. But anyway, both of them were really good. Uh, oh, um, I'm just, like, scrolling through what she's done. But did you know she was like, had a guest role in Drama World? I actually didn't see any recognizable actors in Dra- Drama World in the first few uh, episodes. So I, I just blocked it. that out from my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched the whole thing and I blocked it out. I just I, I don't want to go back and watch that fully and just like maybe dunk on it I don't know but I kind of want to at this point I think I'm ready like I had expectations from that in 2016 and then I watched the first two episodes and hated it so badly I was kind of heartbroken but I will warn you the internalized <laughs> orientalism is pretty strong so oh, just it was the whole thing oh yeah both. okay um I will remember that one if I go um okay <laughs> if last... you need someone to rent with I'm here after yes. you're done Thank you. I, I will use that card. Um, there was just one last thing I wanted to say and I have completely forgotten what it was. I, I they probably would Okay. Um, yeah. So how do we segue out of this? So then um, another thing that we... Hold on. Uh, ooh, 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 so I, yeah. Okay. If you have one, go ahead. Yeah. So I, and the last thing I wanted to say was just that I really enjoyed the fairy tales that uh, Soeji's character wrote. I, I love that. The zombie boy fairy tale, that was like it. I mean, they, when they were narrating it and showing the illustrations and all of that stuff and then doing the uh, flashbacks, it had Kim So Hyun crying and I was like battling with the onions. It, like, it just... <laughs> It was done Oh, I cried so, a lot. Oh, it, and it was like almost cathartic, that entire story. I, I loved it. It was just... And, and also, Soyeji's voice. The, the voiceover mm. actually narrating that story. I, I had bumps. It was just such an excuse. Yeah, I mean, completely inappropriate for children, but <laughs> they were very good. My yeah. mom was like, how did she become a successful... Or maybe it was my sister. They were like, how did she become a successful children's book author? Like, who would buy those books for their children? You know, uh, I have a, a friend who does exactly lo- look for these books for her kid and her kid's like seven, eight years and she loves these. The creepier, the better. So that is an audience. So I guess it's a real thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't have kids, so clearly I'm I'm out of the loop. Speaking of like shows that we've finished or that I have finished, did you end up finishing My Unfamiliar Family? I did and I loved it so much and you have a spoiled yak and I could be a part of it, but you know, I do it and it's up guys. It's it's gonna be up soon, guys, and it's spoiled yak is so good. Um but yeah, I didn't finish yeah. on time. <laughs> Parma, yeah, she didn't finish the drama in time to join us, but we have two wonderful guests that joined us for that. And 
Um, yes, it will be coming out soon and will probably be out by the time this yak is out. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, or at least my thoughts and some friends, <laughs> we had Yuna and Anya come back for that. It's it, we had a really good, nice, meaty conversation. And the consensus was that it was just a show that made us feel a lot of feelings. And we were very happy at the end. And we miss all those people and we want them to come back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just just a just a really good drama across the board. Amazing performances from everybody. Um, like I went Spot in it. for Hanyeri because she's always good, but everybody was so good. It's also um, Kim Ji Suk's best performance of his career, in my opinion. Just really, really, really good. Like even if you don't generally enjoy slice of life dramas or family dramas, it kind of trust, transcends the genre. So I highly recommend it. It does. And it's it's slice-wise and yet it has some elements of mellow in that, you know, those those uh, sudden, those, those shock cliffhanger endings and those, those sudden reveals and twists that make mellow watching so good. But this is not like a heartbreaking drama. Instead, like there are moments of heartbreak and you feel it, but it's not a sad drama. So it's not a mellow in the bad sense. It's a mellow yeah. slice of life. Mellow. It's a weird fusion, but it's also sixteen it has, episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nice. It's like a family drama. It's like enough family drama goodness for fifty episodes, but it's in sixteen, which I love. And also, like it has a lot of like mukjang elements, yeah. but it never plays out in the tropey, predictable family drama way. It always. It really plays out in like, oh, what would happen if this actually happened in real life? And it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny on top it of that. It is. And honestly, hands down, the best um, romance was probably the parents in, in that drama. It just, I was so happy with how sweetly, it's not just even uh, how realistically the rekindling of feelings at a much older age is shown. And... How well it's treated. It's not treated like, hey, your parents are falling in love. Haha. It's like, it's two people who had grown apart, rediscovering each other again, but at a much older age. And it's just, there is like sweetness there and romance there and awkwardness there. And the, I just, the, Omapa was like best. I, 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 there were times in the drama where I wasn't, I, I just wanted the rest of the story to go away so I could get back to parents' story again. Uh, I mean, story. my favorite romance was definitely uh, Hanyuri and Kim Jisak, but as characters, yeah. I was just, You're just so... <laughs> no, I, I think that's the best sort of friends falling in love um, that I probably have ever seen. I just really, really loved their romance. But I think as characters, what they did with the parents, like their romance, I didn't care as much about, but just like their journey as people and as like through their marriage and how it really treated them not like these stereotypical parent figures that are either the villains or they're like put upon and either way they're just really you know one-dimensional but that was that's what you usually get in a family drama you have like this deadbeat dad who has like a second family or you know like just really um flat characterizations but here in some ways their characters had were like the heart of the story and they had the most interesting stories of all the other thing so. that I really loved was usually the parents are shown as overbearing and interfering. Here, the children were interfering far too much in the parents' life. Like the parents yeah. were like, okay, guys, butt out. <laughs> this is between us. 
and the kids were like no but how can you we are your children we have a say so that was yeah, so that was great it was very realistic as well it, like that yeah. dynamic that shift in in sort of who is doing what and who is trying to assert their dominance as your parents yeah. get older and yeah. as you as children get older it was very well done. i mean everything about it i think it's probably like the best written drama of this year um but i'm still watching forest of secrets too so i might change my mind <laughs> yeah by the way did you guys like feel i i think the director's changed like don't spoil anything but just like did you guys feel any like this difference apparently stranger has a different director uh, oh for season 2 yeah i did feel that there was a difference in a little bit in how it looks and feels but it was a very subtle difference and obviously i've only seen two episodes it's a very okay. subtle difference i don't think that it's negatively affecting it in any way but i think more I'll feel more of how as that is yeah. working yeah as it as it moves forward cuz right now the directing is like very like you know sometimes you just don't notice the director like whoever directed it it would have come out more or less the same and then with stranger i'm really noticing the shot choices the scene settings and stuff so i'm kind of uh yeah, yeah. i i do feel there's not quite that same level of skill Um but it's not distracting or it's just that there aren't there are those moments where it's like oh my god that was such a good you know like the way that was framed was just so good but also we also haven't gotten to any like big action sequences or climactic moments yet because it's like really the first exposition point you know at this point so yeah. it's really hard to tell until you get closer to those big moments True Okay so After that I decided while I have my plate full with currently airing dramas I'll just go back and rewatch a completed drama because I apparently just want my plate over full. Um, Did you go back to this because of our um discussion on part 2 of the representation actually, where we talked about I like did. body image? Yes, I oh, did. Okay. So the thing is that I had I had not finished oh my venus last time i'd watched till episode 10 or 11 i think like at that point uh, shinmina and uh, soji sub's character had were already in a relationship and was all cute and hot and stuff and i had just stop watching because i think uh, the the story started shifting away from her health and her arc and more into his family background and i was like oh here comes the you know prodigal son sad man pain story and i'm just not interested <laughs> and i kind of checked out and that was a mistake because what i had missed out was soji sub's character's arc completely and i think i got a lot more out of it this time um i i had not actually realized that this was a genuinely good drama like at that time i'd watched it because i'd missed shinmina on my screen for so long and i liked soji sub and i was like yay romance and i kind of watched it from that perspective and i had missed a lot um But before I get to the goodness I just want to quickly talk about something that I didn't like and I, it it kind of contributed to my feeling of you know that slow feeling of okay you're watching you're watching you're watching and then you lose interest and you stop and this kind of contributed to that because I hadn't quite worked out what it was and it was that in the initial episodes and I would say this is like the first one fourth to about two thirds 
in um not two thirds sorry one third like one fourth to one thirds in i'm completely butchering fractions right now let's just say four to five episodes in um it's it's the time when shinmina is overweight and uh, she is uh, you know uh, the initial period where she's interacting with soju sub and their accidental meeting and how they meet again or not in all of these interactions soju sub is constantly referring to shinmina's weight um the thing was that the reason i'd missed it was that initially when they had met she was uh, she had like this tight corset on she could barely breathe she was going through like i think she had st- an upset stomach so basically she was having health issues and he had helped her out that is how they met so the meeting point was her health so it makes sense that he would keep referring to it but he didn't just refer to that he um made comments about her not looking like when she said that i used to be the dig of venus he was like ha ah, really but again not in a mean way he's he's not a character who say these things in a mean way but the the way the dialogues were framed the jokes were always at shivinas character's expense mm-hmm. as in that you're so fat you you nobody can figure out that you used to look pretty once upon a time and shinmina overweight or not will always have a pretty face you just cannot take that away from her so it's unrealistic to say that somebody looks at her face and cannot tell that she used to be gorgeous um because she kind of still is so that's part one and the other thing is that you're coupling her um <sighs> just she it's not like one thing i you got to appreciate about the drama was that shinmina's own character wasn't like super unhappy about the way she was leading her life yeah she wishes she could lose weight but she couldn't because she had uh, uh, uh thyroid issues um hypothyroidism i think but she didn't know that she, so she was trying different things and she was just being miserable that she was weight but the moment when the hero comes in so jisof's character comes in is a really low point in her life she just got dumped by her um uh, long term partner and and the implication is that she got dumped because she gained weight even though later in the drama it's readdressed and they go into how you know she got dumped because they they had basically just drawn apart and uh, her you know ex boyfriend had basically fallen in love with someone else and he was struggling with that guilt because he could he couldn't leave her he couldn't get with the new girl so it's a the ex boyfriend gets an arc so it's not just a simple matter of she got dumped because she was overweight but that is how the drama starts and that starting you can say that hey they started that way then they subverted those things but the problem is that the way you start that initial impression just stays with you you keep thinking that shinmina got dumped because she was overweight because that is just the prevalent convention like the conventional wisdom says that hey she's overweight her handsome well to do uh boyfriend just dumped her and because the show is about her being overweight that was the reason <sighs> and then almost immediately shivina goes on a, a trip to the states on her way back she has i'm still not sure entirely what she has i don't think it was a heart attack i think it was just a bad case of indigestion but she could barely breathe and then soji sub who has a oriental doctor um just gives her like a saline um draught and just not a draught like inject saline and stuff and that's great that's all good stuff but he takes that as a as permission to just keep commenting on her body constantly like almost every one of the interaction he has something to say about her size her weight a woman who looks like you but like when they're picking her up like a uh, he and a, a pro like a wrestler i think both of them are 
picking the girl up and uh, they are acting like they can barely lift her. So all of the jokes are at her expense and focused on her weight. I hate this so much. This is ridiculous to the max. Why do this? We understand that being overweight is a health issue often, but not everybody can have the same weight throughout their life. And the drama actually addresses this. I mean, I think Saya brought this up in our uh, representation episode. The drama actually shows Shinmina gaining back the weight that she had lost with so much hard work over a couple of years, and. She just gains it all back within like one month because, you know, she married and happened pregnant and she's like, eh, it's my talent gaining the weight back. And her husband is all scandalized. How will you fit in your brightness? But at that point, it's cute because they're deeply in love with you. But when a stranger takes just blatant permission to keep comment weight and your looks and apparently your personality because you're overweight, it's ridiculous. And it's so how are you able? To, how are you able to reconcile that way that he treats because, her before with the because it's, fact it's that it's done subtly enough, and we are used to kind of commentary enough that it it hit me very hard initially. It's just that in around like um I think it's around the fourth or fifth episode where Sojisub got serious about helping uh, Shinmina's character's weight, he realized that she has hypothyroid and um, that she's actually been struggling. That she's actually a very meticulous, hardworking character, uh, person, and uh, it's it's not like she's lazy. That's a uh, right. You're you're overweight lazy. Um, he realizes that she's actually a person trying but can't, struggling, and he feels sympathy for her and starts helping her. And his character shifts as well, as in like the tone of the conversation starts more about her health and less about her weight. And he and both of them talk about it. Like when he's constantly talking about, you know, you have to exercise, you have to the belly fat, you have bleeding, because by that time she'd already lost. And she was like, But why do I have to? I have I've never felt better. I've already sized so much. I don't want to. Not everybody has to thin. They have these conversations in the drama, which makes the rest of the drama not just palatable, but like a joy to watch. Um it's it's not like they don't have that, but the those initial interactions, the the permission Sorisab gave cells. There is another word. The intrusive level. Uh, the his level. entitlement to talk about her body. Exactly. Entitlement. That's the word. His entitlement to talk because he is an extremely, not just athletic, a very, a, a person very conscious. Weight, eating, his workout, every, he's constantly conscious of it. He's also conscious of it about other people. And we know that this is a perfect normal thing happened for a person so whose mind is so focused on health. However, he wasn't just commenting on her health. He was commenting on her looks. And I'm just... That was really disheartening to go back and, and revisit and now notice. Even um, if he was commenting on her health, like, don't do that. Yeah, again, Like, that's not okay either. You that, know, like, you... The, the excuse the drama gave him was that the, he saved her. So that, as since he's a doctor, he has the right to keep commenting. But you don't have the right, man. My doctor does not have the right to keep commenting over and over about my weight. You, when yeah, I'm not it's even... literally during that like time when you're sitting in the doctor's office and you're like asking for their help and you're paying them. That's the only time that they can yeah. tell you you need to do this, your body is like this, whatever. Exactly. Agreed. Precisely. So that that's it. That's that's my one complaint with drama. Because it does have really important conversations around weight about again, I'm not saying that he fell in love with skinny Shinmina. He didn't. He actually fell in love with the character while she was still overweight. Um but it's 
it's the general way that portion of the story is shown um it's also implied heavily that he would never have gotten sort of like paid her any attention if not for her health crisis if he hadn't saved her and afterwards pitied her situation um shimina is a is a relatively successful attorney and she's smart she does really well apparently she has like a really great uh, winning rate um so why why reduce her character just to her body um i can understand the society treating her that way but here is your hero and you're telling her the hero will also only be interested in her if she's willing to shed weight so that's that's problematic but again i actually wanted to talk about the good stuff of oh my venus and i kind of got stuck on <laughs> this note and there is a lot that i um really like this time for instance there was this entirely out of the thing where shimina had a stalker um and the stalker when he was caught and uh, sort of taken to the police he was the, and he's this really skinny dapper type of guy and he's like look at me he tells the cop look at me and look at her would i be stalking her and the cops literally require no other that this guy is not the stalker and soji sab is like frothing at the mouth and he wants to beat the guy up and shimina just gets up and leaves she's shimina just addresses the cops says that look i understand that you need proof and in these situations proof are proof is difficult to get so that's okay but you're talking to the victim at least be sympathetic i loved her so much the way she dealt with that situation because it was an impossible situation she couldn't prove that he had been stalking her and the detectives were already biased against her case so it was so she gets up and walks away and so she so follows her and is like do you want me to go back and beat up the guy and she's like no i i walked away because i'm the attorney i know what happens even if i somehow convince these people and he gets locked up for stalking me it's just a small fine and like a day in prison that's that's the entire punishment you get it's not worth the hassle to me and the trauma to which i i had not i had not noticed this the last time i watched it but that is so sad but also i'm so glad that the drama showed that and also they revisit this concept towards the end of the drama where she and a fellow female attorney they kind of um they make sure that a client of theirs who had been harassed gets justice within the ambit of the law because what happens in shimina's case is that her ex boyfriend hears about it and in a sort of like a protective uh rage fit he goes and beats up the guy and then of course the police come and sort of uh, you know start put charges on him for beating up this guy and shinmina is again dragged to the police station it's just a mess and it didn't help shinmina at all so i think the drama's message basically was not that the guy needs to go and beat up the culprit it's that you need to work within the law but also that the law is unfair and your best bet is to have people who would fight for you in honor which is i suppose a sad message but um i kind of appreciate that it's out there so yeah i really like that the other thing that i hold on i have to uh, check for a second if i'm going to ask um Yeah, I did. I just have one point before I um, go off on this stuff. Uh, is that I really also liked that aside from showing the how difficult the process of losing weight is, because Shinmina's character didn't just lose weight in a matter of months. She made some progress in months, but to quote regain her figure of when she was in high school, which is what the drama at first presents like the peak of her beauty. Yeah, I know high school like we, we are talking about like an 18 year old girl she's studying uh, to uh, get into a law college at that. Um 
the to get back to that kind of a physical you know state she shinmina had to work hard on her uh, her character had to work hard for like 2 years i think in 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 show time um so they actually showed us how hard it was like you can reach a peak and it's difficult to lose weight at that point that the your weight doesn't get shed evenly it sheds at mm, you know from different plateaus at a certain point yeah, and then it becomes really hard your face will shed weight but maybe your body won't or maybe there's a persistent pocket of fat that just refuses to leave your body even the work is so and there is still they did a really good job of showing the process of weight loss and also the process of rehabilitation because the arc of soji subs which i had completely missed out last time to avoid man pain <laughs> it wasn't actually <laughs> uh, uh, like terribly you know insular man pain it was soji subs character as a child had gone through uh, several surgeries because he was battling um, a disease at that point and it was super painful so he had spent years almost decades in the hospital so he had trauma from being in the hospital for so long and for going through years and years of rehabilitation so that's part of the reason he's a fitness freak like he cannot bear the idea of not being fully able bodied because of mm. his trauma and that is emphasized because he goes through another situation where he fears that he won't be able to you know stay able bodied anymore oh my god this is actually making me digress into another ba- bad part of the drama <laughs> which is that this is another story where a character has not an accident but a situation where they're not completely healthy anymore and they don't recover with the love of their life they just leave for a certain period of time then they come back fully uh, healthy <laughs> oh my goodness we, why we we have seen this happen so many times and it is so frustrating when it keeps happening we've seen it happening uh, in in beauty inside in that uh where stars land i can i'm pretty sure there are tons of other dramas that we can think of if we uh try to uh, to be fair they also take a, a a certain amount of the next episode to show his process of recovery which is which was tedious they really did a good job of focusing on how hard it is to get back on your feet and how much willpower and how heartbreaking it is to just keep at something for like incremental progress so i think it was worth watching that part this time and just in general uh, to wrap up this whole thing i you can't if there's one reason you should watch this drama it's it's shinmina and soji sub's chemistry it's um um it's it's up there with uh, you know the chemistry we saw in haina definitely uh, it it's pretty high <laughs> that says it all yeah so yeah i wonder i mean i haven't seen this drama i wonder if part of what it's kind of cuz you're saying like there are some ways that it does a good job dealing with the weight issue and the body image stuff and then there's other ways in which it falls back on these like harmful ways of talking about people's bodies and ways of dealing with body image that really don't help anything and they're kind of harmful yeah. i mean damaging but i wonder if part of that is just choosing to have a drama that whose premise is basically centered around the storyline of where like the hero helps the heroine lose weight and maybe it's just that it's really hard to get away from these entrenched societal ways of talking about our bodies and about weight loss and about fatness and about illness and health that are like we're not really where we need to be as societies and so maybe like it's it's often like i'm not saying that it can't be done to do to 
deal with these topics in a really good way. I think some shows do, but people get tripped up on their like bad habits, you know, and like things that they haven't really fully thought through when they think, oh, this would be a cute concept for a rom-com. But then like it gets into such deep stuff, right? And maybe um, they weren't fully prepared to deal with all of that in a nuanced way. Yeah, I guess you're right. There is a bit of maturity in writing, um, which maybe they kept falling back on. Like these dialogues, these jokes were super cliched. Like you've heard these jokes so many times in dramas before, so it's nothing new. So yeah, I guess that actually, that that is a good answer. That that may be why. They were trying to uh, show so much and, uh, you know, do such a good job of uh, discussing so many different aspects of both, you know, losing weight and recovering from injury. But they were also kind of uh, hamstringed by the premise to begin with because it is associated with so many tropes. So yeah. Agreed. I still think it's a drama worth watching. It's a really good rom-com and very satisfying to watch. But you should go in, as always, you know, with, uh, what do they call Tempered it? expectations. Yeah. Blinkers <laughs> on, blinkers off. No. <laughs> with your, with your um, not blinkers, blinders. Blinders, blinders yeah. With your blinders off. So, all right. And what else have you been watching, Anissa? So, um, I talked about this I'll talk about some non-Korean dramas for once, which is very unusual for me. But I remember talking about this on the Weekend Drama Report one week with Baroma. And um, since then, I finished this. But I watched Sindhagi Golzarhe, which is a Pakistani drama with my family. Yeah. Um, I think, like, they've all seen it. They've been telling me to watch it. Like, Baroma and Saya both watched it. My brother even watched it. Like, he never watches Pakistani dramas. But he was like, he watched it, like, last summer. Um but it's an older show. It's from like 2012. So it does feel a little bit dated. But uh, it's just a really good story about um, kind of the heroine is very, she's been hurt a lot by her father mm. and by just the circumstances of how she had to watch her mother um, kind of raise her and her two sisters. And she's kind of a bitter, she's a very bitter and very jaded person. She has no faith in anyone. She doesn't believe in love. She doesn't believe in happiness. Um, and then you kind of see her uh, go through her journey of um, sort of finding her way to being happy and finding her way to actually having faith that something good could happen in her life. Mm. Um, I did find her frustrating at times because she just a lot of times she just doesn't talk but in general i think it was a really good it was a good story um the hero the hero is like this she's like this really poor girl who's um struggling but she's really really smart she does really well in schools she ends up you know getting scholarships and um entering the civil service eventually and he is like this rich also smart but really rich and arrogant and they come from really different families um, and have pretty different values in the beginning and but they eventually you know like fall in love and um a lot of stuff happens and he's pretty hateful in the beginning but by the end i was okay with him so uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i really hated him in the beginning i for like the first half of the drama i was just like Arr. um but my mom was like, it's not any different from a Korean drama. And I was like, if it was a Korean drama, I would have left by now. But I, because so many people that I love and trust had told me it was good, I stuck it out to the end. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a rewarding watch to watch to the end. It was really good. I just found Kashyap, the um, heroine, is kind of like up there with like Lizzie Bennett. With it's, uh, you know, you have that coterie of characters. For me, for me, I have these 
certain female heroines from these stories that I just like I kind of kind of draw inspiration from but also look at like as the ideal like it yeah she's kind of up there for me not so much the main character mm. even though I really like um Pawan Khan so much the actor he is really smart and uh, is a tremendously good actor it his character was at the end of the day um a good foil for uh, Kashyap's but um, and he like he was probably the right person for her so i i never felt like they would go on to like break up because sometimes i feel that way about odis <laughs> 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 True. So, uh I kind of felt like they were both kind of a learning from each other and they were both um changing sort of towards each other in that they were um uh, their edges were getting um mm. not eroded uh, soft and smooth getting softened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. up my metaphors right I don't know. It's all good. I know it's really late for you, you know. <laughs> no, so it it just a uh, It, it's a, it's a good progressive romance and i don't mean progressive as in like in morals and ethics i mean it, the progression of the romance is um it takes time to happen you have the whole hate to love journey but it's not abrupt in any way when uh, suddenly the guy shows interest in her the girl isn't immediately flattered in falling in love with him which often happens in these uh, tropes and i don't understand why they happen but they do um yeah. so as of like your your hate had no v- actual weight you know like you only hated the boy because he hated you and mistreated you and now that he's paying you attention you're just like so flattered you instantly fall back in love with him that makes no sense so instead you had kashav really reluctant to give the guy a chance because her previous experience of him was so bad and she's not going yeah. to just have legitimate yeah. reasons to object to his character and he has to prove himself and it's not until he actually proves himself and she is finally able to trust that he's the person that he's saying he is now it's not just that he himself but that he had social proof as in like somebody she really trusted spoke for him and him being able to get that person's good opinion mattered to her so these are like social things that actually do happen in the real world like our opinion of a person will only change with somebody else we really trust says that hey this person has changed take my word for it that has weight that that gives me a reason to believe that yes kashyap has been to you know change her slightly change her mind towards this guy give him a real chance and then when he starts wooing her that is also a really interesting period because they're both discovering each other he's interested in her because she has a she has always had a consistently good character he's never actually had a bad opinion of her whereas she's legitimately had a bad opinion of him so the things that used to irritate him about her in college were things that he started admiring uh, later on like a few years later so i could understand him falling in love with her her falling in love with him always had to be a journey because he went against so many of the things that she did and a big part of that was her sort of uh, confidence herself and her self reliance um she's a really proud character and like in a good way proud not in a vain way so for her to unbend and not just uh, allow somebody else to do her life but for that person to become an actual partner like shared in her sorrows and all of that stuff that always was going to be a journey so i really enjoyed that so the latter half like i think it was like episode uh, 11 onwards or something it was literally the latter half it was, i think it's a 20 episode drama and it's like the first 10 episodes is it's not that it's hard to get through but you really don't like the lead i think I think it's actually like 26 or 27 episodes, but yeah, it yeah. was about halfway when he started when you started to kind of 
change your opinion about him a little bit and yeah. um, he starts to develop more. So, but yeah. The last, there, sorry, go on. Go ahead. Um, the last, the, the, the time when I pitched this drama uh, to Anissa, <laughs> to get Anissa and Sai to watch it, like this was a couple of years back, um, I think I glossed over the problematic aspects of it. Uh, not deliberately, I just didn't uh, think about it too much because I liked the dramas for the good stuff so much. But we actually had a listener who took the recommendation, watched it and came, uh, like, sent us an email. And she was like, you, you made, what did you just make me sit through? <laughs> because... What, like she did was the whole thing and she liked it but she also couldn't get over the really misogynistic undertones that some parts of the story had and I, I don't want to brush it away but this is also a creation of its time this is a slightly dated drama and at that time the conversation around um, feminism and what is misogynistic was very new in Pakistan so you have characters like female uh, like characters who dress in western clothes shown as immature and um, feminism is shown in a very poor light feminism is a garb that modern women use to uh, escape their responsibilities and not you know have any kind of uh, you know responsibility towards their family or anything even at their jobs apparently um whereas you know uh, your if the thing is, for me, Kashyap was an extremely feminist character. However, th- she was never labeled as one in the drama. There seemed to be like a very clear distinction with Kashyap's character and some of the other few characters. And so that was problematic. And I want to say that I understand that and I recognize that. But it's a creature of its time. And also it did discuss stuff that was very new at the time in Pakistan. So if you're going to watch it, just keep that in mind. It's, Yeah. I yeah I mean I don't know if that was new in Pakistan at the time but I But you know what I mean about new I know what you're saying I think in the sense the that it wasn't really was like the media depiction yeah, and it wasn't like a yeah and it wasn't like as nuanced so it was it did a good job in some ways in portraying like the way that different families and different women sort of navigate the you know the family relationships and the and the marriage relationships and their their friendships but it didn't really do a very it didn't have a very complex way of looking at it it was just like oh there's Kashyap's mother who was like a saint basically even though some of the things that she would say I would be like why are you being so self-sacrificing like this is overkill like it's not like you don't need to do this yeah in a way that was harmful to her own family and on the other hand you have um Zarun's mother and his sister who are kind of going too far in the other direction but it's not really clear about even like what is happening like I don't even know if feminism as a word was used used. and it was thrown exactly like that uh, by Zarun yeah that's right that's right that's right he does when he's in his like diary um He's talking in his diary he, about feminism and, and, he's and how he's discussing his mom and his sister as examples of what feminists are. And they were not characters; they were caricatures at best. Unlike these really shallow caricatures of people who don't understand what feminism. So it's it wasn't as you said. Like certain parts of this drama was so nuanced. It there was so much time was spent in developing those understandings and you know relationships. Um, this aspect was not. Um, yeah, yeah, and I also think that like. Even using like feminism as a as a framework, it sometimes I mean, this is a really long discussion that we don't really yeah. necessarily have to get into right now. But often the way that people talk about feminism is in that sort of like Western uh, white feminism kind of very 
it's not very it's not a, a a view of feminism that like really takes into account um cultural context and different types of societies and i know that in i don't know how it is in india in pakistan it's not really understood in the same way that it is here but that western idea of feminism does kind of filter around the world in strange ways um it does. and it's often misperceived and misconstrued and misused and then in a weird way that like reflects back onto women and uh, and ends up harming them sometimes so like it's a very complicated issue i don't want to like start a whole conversation that we don't have time for um but it kind of i feel like the drama itself kind of started talking about something and then didn't really address it properly before we wrap uh, that up i just want to mention a drama where i think you know feminism was shown uh, really well and in the pakistani cultural context which is a drama called uran it was 2011 drama and you had three very different women um kind of uh, stuck in situations um it it was basically about marriage and domestic violence and sort of uh, being and how men view marriage and how women do and how it it works as a almost as a shackle on a prison for women even when they are being abused whereas it's not the same for men like they can leave however how it's a very complex drama it's not just about men bad women good it's it's not that uh, it's not that daft um it was a really well written drama um i remember watching it because it's not usually if dramas have like any kind of a sad tone i tend to check out quickly but just the writing was so good and the characters especially the female characters were so well written and it's So that was a drama that, again, you know, after watching a character like Kashyap, that was what I was looking for, and I wasn't really getting in the uh, Pakistani drama sphere. And then I watched Oran, and I was like, yes, this, these characters, because these are not just like you know, you know, strong female characters. It's not just that they they are three very different characters going to ve- life in very different ways, but they are sort of uh, all three of them at different get um, duped slash. um mistreated by the same man and it's kind of like how they come together to sort of like try to stop him from doing this to another person again mm. and i'll say like since my mom recommended this to you like i haven't actually seen this but i have um it's written by omer ahmed and my mom always she says that like her dramas are always really really good like she's a really good writer so if anybody is interested in watching her other stuff i don't remember what her other stuff is but My mom always says that hers are really really good. Yeah. And her mom also recommended another drama if anybody's interested. It's called Beesharam and uh stars one of the actors in Oran which is Asaba Kumar. And uh okay, she plays a totally different kind of character. Like she's really subdued in Oran and she's just like she is the exact opposite in uh, Beesharam and it's it's great. It's fantastic. So, yeah. So that's that's it. So basically you can depict, you know, have that conversation around feminism um in Pakistani dramas really well. It just that it it's it at that time when you were we were doing we were watching this Zindagi Gulzar uh, hai it was it was still new the discussion and they did fall back on some tropes um in depictions of certain characters. So Yeah, and as as we've always, you know, as we've talked about before as well, like it's not a monolith, so there'll always be like some shows who that are doing it better and some shows that are doing it worse. Um this is actually interestingly um this is actually written Zindagi Gulzar has written by the same writer. Esran? Yeah. Wow. It's also an Omera Ahmed drama. Yeah, but it's based on one of her novels. So I'm wondering if the novel was 
written earlier because uh, Oran actually came out about a year earlier than Zindagi Gulzarha, but maybe she wrote Zindagi Gulzarha earlier and so it has it's maybe like less developed in those ways than her later work. Yeah. I am wow, that is so good to know because the Interesting. Yeah, huh? because again, you know, the same kind of writing appeal to me and I had no idea it was by the same writer. That is brilliant. <laughs> One other drama. So yeah, that was our little uh Pakistani drama recommendations segment. Yeah. Did you have one other drama you I yeah, so I'm actually currently watching Ehtewafa, um, which is also a Pakistani drama and I haven't finished it yet, so I can't like recommend it wholeheartedly. I think we're on episode seventeen and it has a total of maybe like twenty four, twenty six episodes. Um and it's about forty minutes, like thirty seven minutes per episode. But it's it's about like four friends who are at, uh, it's called college, but it's like the second half of high school. If you're looking at the sort of Pakistani education system and comparing it to like what I'm used to, um, they're in their, they're like doing their FSC. So they, they're basically like these four friends who are really close, but they're all troublemakers. And so like something happens anyway, like after college, they all all four of them kind of go off on their own journeys. Like one goes to military school, one goes back to his um, his family where he's like a zimidar, like he's a landlord. They're really rich. They're in the village and it's a different type of in Punjab. So that has its own kind of dynamic. And then one wants to be a journalist. So he tries to, you know, he goes to journalism school and gets involved in that. And one um, is trying to study for the civil service exam. And then like two of them are really poor and two of them are really wealthy and they have their own sort of romantic storylines with different girls. And it's, I started it out because my mom recommended it and she was like, watch it, watch it when she was watching it. Um, and she really loved the whole, like the whole thing. But in the beginning, all the main characters are like super obnoxious. And I was like, I hate all of these people and me. Like, <laughs> and she was like, just keep watching it. So I think also I wasn't aware of how young they're supposed to be in the beginning because it's played by the same actors continuously throughout so even though they're supposed to be like 16 or 17 they're like these fully grown men in their 20s or 30s <laughs> so i was like why are they acting like so immature and st- but then like i realized later how young they actually were um but it's actually a really nice story about friendship and family and um there is a little bit i do have a little bit l- lack of patience with some of the army stuff because they spend a lot of time just like showing them marching and there's a little bit you know i mean obviously any drama that portrays the army is going to be sponsored by the army in some way and so they're going to have their own you know like army propaganda but other than that it's really very heartwarming like i was um i was actually telling boroma and Sai earlier that there's like this grandfather character who is so funny like even i mean obviously with you can you can watch it on youtube with subtitles um and it's decent subtitles if you don't understand um, or do it but like there's this fl- certain flavor of Punjabi and like the way he speaks Punjabi to like the way he t- calls his like grandfather his grandson and, and he just has like this particular way of talking that like just kills me and the the dialogue is very funny like the way that certain characters express themselves is very funny so it's very enjoyable I don't know how enjoyable it would be if you can't understand the language but I think it would be like um yeah so one of the one of the friends is kind of a piece of trash, but the rest of them are all really good. <laughs> so um, yeah, they have arcs. There's really some really cute storylines. I'm enjoying it so far. So I'll I'll let you guys know once I finish it what I think of the whole thing. Okay. 
<laughs> That's it. I think we're done. I think ah, that was a satisfyingly long, long yak. It's yeah. Hopefully, it makes up for missing last month's yak. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for listening to us. As usual, send us your feedback and your emails. You can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at dramasoverflow. And you can find our website at dramasoverflowers.net where we have our blog with like the weekly reviews for Forest of Secrets and um, other fun stuff like long, longer blog posts and things. And you can find us on Twitter individually. I'm at Anissa Khalifa underscore. Uh, I'm at Festa Faster, and Saya is at Not Now Saya. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. We are at Dramas Over Flowers underscore Podcast. I think that covers yeah. it, right? I think that covers it. We're also on Facebook. Just look up Dramas Over Flowers. Yeah, just do it. Just do a search. We're there. Yeah, we are. Thank you for listening, right, everyone. Yeah, stay safe. Bye. Bye.